Blog Talk Radio. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Major League Fantasy Baseball Radio, uh, the Major League Fantasy Sports Radio Show. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Roach. Today's date, April 7th. Uh, we had a full week of baseball. Some exciting things happened uh, so far. Uh, we have seven saves for Shane Green, uh, the Detroit uh, Tigers closer. Uh, seven opportunities, seven games, seven saves. Six strikeouts and only one walk and two hits allowed. I feel like uh, he's a guy that will get a lot of opportunities because the Tigers will play a lot of close games this year. Uh, it's usually very good to have uh, a closer for a bad team because usually they won't blow out other teams. Uh, Jorge Polanco hit for the cycle yesterday. Uh, five for five. Uh, hit a home run as well. Uh, obviously, because he had the cycle. And then Mike Trout, uh, four straight games with a home run, so you know it's uh, officially baseball season. And as always, my co-host is Cole Freel. Uh Cole, what are you currently working on, and is there anything you want to open up with before we uh, get the show rolling? Yeah, well, so in terms of my writing for Major League Fantasy Sports, what I'm currently working on is my relief pitchers pieces. Um, Last week I kind of set what I think will be closer to the format moving forward, which is uh, the first half dealing with closed situa- or save situations, rather, uh, save situations that occurred in the past week and uh, what happened, mostly uh, skipping past anything that happened that was uh, normal or nothing out of the ordinary and, and focusing on the ones that went awry for, for the team in question. Uh, personally, just been watching a, a lot of baseball and uh, excited to talk about some of these upcoming series and, and also some of maybe the the out the breakouts that have been happening uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks, potentially. Nice. Yeah, uh, all that sounds good. Our guest this week is Brian Lurs. Brian has been a writer with MajorLeagueFantasySports.com for six years and is the owner of Real Deal Fantasy Sports. How's it going, Brian? What are you working on and uh, anything you want to open up with? Well, thanks for having me. Excited to be my it's my first mm-hmm. uh, appearance on these radio shows this year, and um, excited about that. I uh, in the preseason I was working on minor league pitchers, their rankings, as well as um, just uh, giving you some ideas of who, who might have some impact this year, as well as uh, people to keep on your radar, uh, as well as some relief pitcher, the ADP value guys. So that was my preseason, and this year during the um, regular season, I'm actually not going to be writing. I'm going to be actually focused more on, on these shows um, where I'll be doing a, at least mm-hmm. once a month uh, appearance, which is great because last year I only did two or three all year. So excited about um, doing that and being on with you guys and just talking about things as, uh, as the season progresses. Um, but I'll be back in June to write a couple articles on uh, recapping and, and the analysis of the uh, amateur draft that happens uh, in early June. Mm-hmm. Um, we've here at Major League Fantasy Sports, we kind of made that a priority every year to kind of give a depth uh, look at that. I think that sets us apart from a lot of other sites out there. And looking forward to doing that again. And um, as far as uh, Real Deal Dynasty, 
Um, we, it's obviously well, baseball's in full swing, so we got our 30-team dynasty um, uh, keeper hybrid uh, in full in full mm-hmm. swing, as well as our 30-team SaberCats uh, league, and uh, we also do a 24-team multi-sport league. So base, the baseball version of that is is in full swing, and because dynasty is uh, all year round, we're actually getting ready to launch um, our. This is season seven of our football league. Uh, coming up, mm-hmm. and usually about the a time of the NFL draft, we start that. And this year, we um, looks like we only had one opening, and we already filled it. So for a 32 team league, it's pretty pretty good that we have very very little turnover year after year, and that's what kind of keeps me passionate about keeping these these leagues going because um, you know it's just a good group of guys, and and they're very competitive. And and this, one great thing about dynasty is it keeps people interested all the time because even if your team isn't bad, you're always looking to trade for uh, for younger assets and picks and things along that line. So I'm um, excited about that. And, and for right now, I have my um, my glass of private stock and a splash of Coke, and I'm ready to roll. Nice. Yeah, uh, all that sounds great, uh, especially uh, with um, Real Deal fantasy, uh, real, real deal Dynasty Sports. Uh, all sounds uh, interesting, especially all those teams. Uh, it must be uh, crazy to keep track of all that. Uh, but before we jump into our uh, streamer breakdowns, I wanted to inform our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports. It's a prop bet-based site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL. To make a lineup, more sports are on the way. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or on phones and tablets in the iTunes and Google Play Store, look for the Thrive Fantasy app. After you download, use the promo code MLFS. That's the initials of Major League Fantasy Sports, so MLFS. And you will get the, their, your first $10 matched in real time. Uh, that's right. If you put in 10 bucks, then you will get an extra 10 in real time. You just have to use the code MLFS. Also remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com and along the right side of the page, just under the headlines section, you'll find the Patreon donation button. You can set up a monthly donation for as little as $1 or make a one-time donation. Thank you to our current supporters. And there's also multiple openings in our football leagues for the 2019 season with the draft right around the corner. It's a great great time to sign up. Uh, you just have to email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com, and he can give you more details. Begin with the streamers. Um, we all picked at least one streamer for each day of the week. Uh, Cole, I'll let you get the ball rolling. Yeah, so two of my favorite plays don't necessarily know uh, their ownership percentage, but I think it is fairly low, even though they both had good second starts of the season are Marco Estrada uh, and actually Trevor Cahill. Um, the thing with Marco Estrada is he's got a very uh, good matchup. Now, he does go to Camden Yards, which is a little scary for his, his tendencies because mm-hmm. he is a fly ball guy. Um, and part of the advantage of him pitching in Oakland is that uh, he gets to pitch to his strengths uh, of that giant cavernous ballpark. But he's had a really nice start to the season. I think he's still got some talent left as a pitcher and Baltimore is one of the top teams, I think, to stream against just still looking at the lineup one to nine. So I'm a fan of going with Estrada. Um, also Cahill, you know, uh, he gets Milwaukee 
it is away from Miller Park in, in Anaheim. There, there's a positive in that in terms of the ballpark, even though, you know, Cahill's used to facing the DH because he's in the American League, but uh, the Brewers will get the rare opportunity to use a DH. Uh, so for them, that likely means an extra left-handed bat like Thames, um, while still having someone like Jesus Aguilar in the lineup. Don't know exactly what their plan would be for that, but I, I do think this is still a potentially very strong start for Cahill. Um, he can probably neutralize the lefties, or at least I think he has a shot at neutralizing the lefties because uh, the changeup is actually his best pitch. Um, so I'm not too afraid of this Cahill start uh, against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And so those are two of my favorite streamers uh, for this week or for Monday. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, those guys uh, obviously worried about Cahill uh, against Milwaukee, who's been basically tearing the t- cover off the ball. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you're too worried about uh, Milwaukee in this matchup, then uh, great, great two uh, streaming options. Uh, what about you, Brian? Uh, who, who you got for Monday? Well, I guess Cole didn't read the email because Estrada was my guy for today. <laughs> but I'll just kind of <laughs> jump off on, on what he said. Um, most, and, and just to be fair, most of the time I use I, I go for younger guys since I'm more of the dynasty uh, focus. I don't do a lot of streaming because the leagues I'm in are, are mostly just don't lend itself to that. But I did. He caught my eye this week because, first of all, he's had a fantastic start to the season. Um, and the funny mm-hmm. thing is, I actually traded for him, and one of my dynasty teams picked him up uh, this year cause for, for like for for a bag of balls because uh, someone wanted to get rid of him. He had a terrible year last year. Um, but and this is before he went to Oakland. I just had a feeling he was going to have a bounce back this year. And then he got traded. Uh, well, he went to, not traded, but he got signed by Oakland. And I was ecstatic. And so far, he's paying off exactly what I was hoping for. In Oakland, he's got a spacious ballpark, so it's going to allow that fly ball tendency to, to play a little bit better, especially because uh, you're talking about a guy that doesn't have high velocity. His fastball is, is, is usually, you know, you know, 87, 88 miles an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things that is setting him apart this year that I think is interesting is he's also he's throwing a cutter. Um, not a lot. It's only about 7% of the time. Um, and it's only about three or four miles an hour below uh, his fastball. But what it's doing is it's kind of mixing it up a little bit so people aren't um, getting, getting under that, that fastball. And uh, then, obviously, his, his, his primary out pitch is a changeup uh, at 76 miles an hour. It throws that about 30% of the time. And it's just an addition of the cutter, I think, is helping. Uh, and he also throws a curveball once in a while, too, not as much as in the past because of the cutter. But I think it's, it's keeping people off balance enough they can't sit on any one pitch um, and is helping him be effective he's 35 years old he's been around the block people know what he has to offer he's not overpowering anybody um, but um, I, I just I just like what he has to bring this year I mean he's, the only thing I worry about is even though his ERA in three games is, is 2.76 which is fantastic you uh, think there might be a little luck involved because his FIP is, is 563 um, you know it, that's something that can be a little alarming, especially when he doesn't strike anybody out. You know, he's got less than four strikeouts per nine, but he's also not walking people either. When you don't walk people and you can keep the ball in the ballpark, um, that, that's a recipe for success. Now, this week, he's at, he's at Baltimore um, against Cashner. Cashner is not going to scare anybody. And Baltimore is a, is a header-friendly park for sure, but we're also talking about Baltimore, too, who's got 
just a little bit better than the Triple A team out there. And yes, they they did they, last week. They handled the Yankees pretty well, but I guess the Yankees bounced back a little bit over the weekend. And I think we're going to start to see Baltimore be who we thought they were um, rather rather quickly. It was a nice little start to the season, but um, I would not be afraid to throw Strata at all in Baltimore um, this week because um, again, not a strong lineup, and I just think he has the um, he's just pitching smart this year, and I like the, I like I like what um, he has to offer in that game. Nice, yeah. Uh, uh, you both mentioned him. Uh, seems like uh, the player to go to on Mondays, uh, especially since he is well under ten percent owned uh, in most leagues. Uh, there's a couple of guys. Uh, this is a guy we talk about. He's he's forty five percent owned, so. It's tougher to find him. Carlos Rodon, we met him a lot last year. And he had a brilliant start against the Indians um, in his last start um, where uh, Corey Kluber got lit up. So he had a lot of run support, and he struck out a lot of guys. He was 15 Ks and 11 in the third innings. So that's something. Uh, that's one guy. Uh, he's going against Tampa, and Tampa's offense has – uh, played pretty well, and Tampa Bay's pitching has been phenomenal uh, to start the year. Um, so that's uh, it. Might be tough for him to get a win, but if he's if his slider's on and he's in control, uh, he should be able to uh, do pretty well. And another guy, uh, Felix Hernandez, uh, I, I talked about him last week, um, and he actually did. He pitched pretty well. He went five and a third. Uh, he gave up some hits, uh, and he walked a – I think he walked a couple as well. Um, but he got the win uh, playing at Kansas City. And Kansas City's offense has been horrible besides, uh, besides Mondesi. So uh, those are my picks. Uh, Cole, what do you think uh, – or, yeah, Cole, what do you think about those? And then we'll go into your Tuesdays. Uh, sorry, give me the names again. Uh, Rodon and uh, Felix Hernandez. Right. Uh, So for Rodon, uh, I really like it. He's been featuring the breaking ball a lot more, and that's always been the money pitch, right? He was like a a top three prospect coming out of college. So he's always been a a player that people have looked at for a long time. Uh, In terms of Felix, you know, it's hard to say he had a good first start. um, And then we just saw, you know, not necessarily like it's a one-to-one argument, but we just saw Adam right. Wainwright today have, have a good start. You know, it, it's possible for sure that, that Felix, especially against uh, a bad Kansas City lineup or at least a, a not as good Kansas City lineup, that he can take advantage of them. Um, that said, I do still – I'm still a little wary of it because I think it's possible that – you know, I'm right. not a big Mondesi fan in general, but I think he's the kind of pitcher that could just leave a 92 – Mile per hour sinker that catches just a little bit too much of the plate against anybody uh, that goes to, you know 475 feet. So uh, I just yeah it's it's hard because I don't know uh, what where his natural stuff is right now and how much he can survive uh, depending on where it's put on the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Uh, Brian, we'll start with you for Tuesday. Uh, who you got for Tuesday? All right, so Tuesday. Um... It's a little bit of an odd one only because of where he's playing. Uh, but I got Max Reed um, from Atlanta on Tuesday, and um, ironically against Marquez, who um, is the, the ace of that uh, staff. So you may say, why is it that I 
would have this pitcher in this situation because it seems like it's not a great matchup. Um, quite frankly, um, not many people play in leagues where wins is as important as more quality starts these days. I could be wrong, but it's from what mm. generally from what I can see. So I'm not really so much concerned whether he gets a win or not. Um, what I what I'm looking at is guys that have a chance that if you're if you got you know destroyed by injuries early in the year and you you actually are in the need to stream this early in the season, he's a nice little um, you know possibility here with the fact that the Rockies offense has been just miserable so far this year, surprisingly. Um, I, you know, save. I mean, I, mean, I guess the, the first couple guys in the order. You know, Dahl's been good. Story's been good. But in general, once you get past the fourth hitter in the lineup, the, the Rockies uh, have not been good this year and, on, on offense. And because of that, um, I think that you can uh, possibly get through a couple times through the order. Even in in Colorado, mm-hmm. I don't think that the Colorado has quite the effect as it used to. Um, and the other reason why. I like Freed in this. I mean, he's young. He's 25 years old. He's a big guy, big, tall, 6'4", 190. He's a lefty. Um, and his best pitch is his curveball. 75-mile-an-hour curveball that's nasty. And if he, if, his, if he has his command, which isn't, you know, guaranteed, but if he, does, if he is able to uh, show command, I think he can be very successful there because that curveball can be devastating. Now, um, so far this season, it's, um, you know, his – his overall um, numbers have been actually very, very impressive. He's pit, and he, in both games he pitched so far this year. Uh, well, actually, he's pitched three, uh, but two of the three starts he's had has come against. Let me take that back. He had start. He only had one start. He had two relief pitches against uh, two relief outings against the Phillies. But he did play the Cubs, and he pitched very well in that game. And um, we're looking at someone that has. Um, you know, zero ERA so far. Again, only mm-hmm. one start. But he has the potential to either throw a gem, may only be five innings because uh, they're not going to overtax him, or he could get blown up. So that's, of course, the, the, the chance. But so far, so good. And, um, he, you know, in his, first, uh, in his first full outing, he pitched very well. Uh, he did what he needed to do. He got, he got five strikeouts and no walks. And that's the biggest thing. If, if Freed has command, I think he can be really good, and in a uh, in a game where the, uh, the Rockies still haven't shown yet that they're that they're in midseason form yet, this might be a sneaky little pick to come in there and, and pick up five six innings uh, and get out with you know two two runs or less, and he can get you seven to eight strikeouts that time. The big key is is he throws strikes, because um, and and he is you know he's not as highly touted of a prospect as he, as most of the other Braves pitchers that we know. In fact, he probably like the second or third that's in the in the rotation right now, um, but so that curveball is devastating. He does have a pretty good changeup too. So as long as he has some command in this game, I really believe that uh, he has a chance to do well. He does have a four pitch mix, um, and and so he has a he has a lot of different options, and he can throw a slider or a changeup to mix it up if people are sitting on his fastball or curve. So uh, I like Freed as possibility this week, not necessarily to win the game. Um, but to give you a, um, a, a good outing, keep it competitive. Because if you're streaming this early in the season, you're really just trying mm-hmm. to hold it together to cover injuries. And I think he might be a good, a good one. And not many people in redraft leagues are probably going to, especially if you're in a 10 or 12 team league, are going to be looking at him. Nice. Cole, do you have any thoughts on that? And uh, who's your uh, streamer for Tuesday? 
Yeah, so, you know, for, for Max Fried, I think it's one of those things where season-long Roto, I'm probably not uh, starting him just because of the Colorado thing, but I absolutely love adding him uh, in long, uh, long-term leagues. And then if I'm someone who's playing uh, a DFS slate, I think Max Fried is, you know, not not the kind of guy who I think still has a very high likelihood of a good start, uh, but he might be someone worth throwing out uh, in a DFS lineup because he's probably going to be fairly inexpensive, uh, a low ownership percentage. And if his stuff does happen to play up, uh, despite being in course field, you know, you could have uh, a nice high upside opportunity there. Um, you know, for, and then also in terms of Max Fried, you know, we talk, uh, mentioned that the Colorado lineup hasn't warmed up yet, but it also hasn't had that many games yet in Colorado yet. And I feel like that's just a ticking time bomb. The more that they uh, play in their home stadium, that they're going to, you know, go off sooner rather than later. Um, another one that's a, a scary high upside pick, uh, kind of similar. I had these guys uh, listed next to each other is uh, Jonathan Loisiga of the um, New York Yankees. He's he's playing in Houston against the Houston Astros. So, yep. you know, it's the same kind of a situation where it's a, it's very scary. But he's also a guy that has a lot of uh, swing and miss. And if he can, you know, have his control on that day uh, and be able to find the strike zone consistently, there's a, a good chance he's able to get through five innings or more uh, with over a strikeout per inning as long as he can, you know, keep the walks down. Um, a bit of a less sexy name than the ones we've talked about so far. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman also pitches on Tuesday. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that I believe at all what he's done you know, these past two starts as being legitimate because I don't. But I believe also that part of the reason he's done so well is the opponents in the lineups he's gone up against. And Cleveland doesn't actually have that good of a lineup right now that they've been throwing out consistently. Uh, They're a pretty low-scoring offense right now. So I think Jordan Zimmerman can, you know, kind of do the same thing. Uh, You know, you look at his numbers last year, he has a very low – walks per nine, but a very high home runs per nine. What that tells me is he simply puts his stuff, whatever it is, around the strike zone, not dead center. And if you're really good, or at least if you're, you know, mm-hmm. an above average power hitter, you can hit it out. But, you know, Cleveland doesn't have that many above average power hitters. So I'm uh, I'm interested in Jordan Zimmerman as someone who's going to keep the ball in the strike zone uh, and then potentially, you know, have Cleveland hit themselves into outs on a pretty – okay defense Uh, uh, the one thing he probably won't get is run support as well because Detroit doesn't score that many runs uh, as well Uh, the guy that I'm looking at for um, Tuesday there's actually two guys Uh, we'll start with uh, Jose Urena I know he's really been bad his first two starts uh, he's he's gone a total of eight and two-thirds innings and has a 9.35 ERA 0-2 record, but he's playing against Cincinnati at Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's offense is not the same uh, without Scooter Jeanette. Uh, so I, I feel like this could be a nice bounce-back performance for Urania. And another one, this is more of a stash guy. I wouldn't start him this week because it's his first start uh, in the majors uh, uh this season, uh, Irvin Santana of the Chicago White Sox. Um, next week, he's most likely in line for two starts. Um, they didn't need a fifth starter, so they decided to get, let him get some work in the minor leagues. And um, 
I think Irvin Santana could really help, especially season-long leagues, uh, if you want to scoop him up uh, before uh, his two-start week next week or or before he uh, starts pitching well this year uh, on Tuesday. Um, Cole, uh, we'll go back to you for Wednesday. Uh, you have any comments about uh, Irvin or Urania, and, and then we'll get your streaming option for Wednesday. Yeah, you know, uh, it being Irvin's first start doesn't bother me too much uh, so long as, you know, I believe that he's he's back to at least where I think he, he can be as a starter. Right. Um, in terms of Urena, I, I'm just – I'm not buying into him yet, and he's been getting blown up recently, and it wasn't a player that I was necessarily buying into uh, too much coming into the season. So, you know, it, it would be an interesting – play based on matchup, but it's not necessarily uh, one that I'm looking at uh, right now. Uh, in terms of Wednesday, I could see myself uh, streaming Tyler Mollway of the Reds. You know, he's coming off of a pretty strong start uh, where his fastball was working really well, and um, you know, even though he's still a, a fastball-only guy to me, which sometimes knocks uh, a player, you know, he's going up against this Miami Marlins offense, uh, which isn't much to write home about. Um, and then, you know, I know his ownership percentage uh, is spiking a good bit, but if Matt Boyd is available in leagues right now, he, he's someone that needs to be rostered. You know, he's missing a lot of bats, struck out 13 in his past start, um, probably over our, our normal ownership percentage. But, you know, especially against Cleveland, this is a very high uh, upside start, and, and it's, I think it's one worth mentioning. Uh, and then real quick, Frankie Montas. Talked about him quite a bit on the Thursday show, but uh, he's someone I'm, I'm rising on very quickly, and he also has a, a favorable matchup. Uh, it is in Baltimore, which scares me in terms of maybe he gives up a home run or two, but the uh, offense he's going up against doesn't necessarily scare me, and, and it's a talent that, that like I said, I'm, I'm growing on quite quickly. Yeah, uh, all those guys sound uh, like – Great options. Uh, Brian, who who you got for uh, Wednesday? Well, um, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit more um, than I already have so far. And the guy I'm looking at for for Wednesday is uh, Felix Pena um, in L- from L.A. Uh, from the Angels. And the reason why I'm, I'm bringing him up, and he's probably not even the best streaming option, but um, I I guess the way I look at this, um, the streamers, like, portion of the show is to kind of have some obscure guys that people aren't thinking of um, that might be able to get you a nice spot, spot start if you're, if you're hurting uh, or you need to get, get your innings in or whatnot. And um, I, I like this guy. Uh, he's 29 years old, so he's not a spring chicken, but it, and he doesn't have a ton of major league experience yet. But he did win um, a, um, a rotation spot uh, out of camp this year, and – the reason why um, I like him is I just think – I mean, oh, let me just back out for a second. He hasn't been that great this year, but I'll be honest with you. So that's why I think he's a little bit off the rails. He's only pitched a little over eight innings. He hasn't got to five innings at either start. Uh, he has played Oakland and te- Texas, um, so, so, so he's got has some decent lineups to look at. Uh, however, he is someone uh, that is capable of striking guys out. He's got the ten strikeouts in, 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 in eight and one-third. Um, though his command hasn't been great, and he has given up a few home runs. So all that being said, this is more of a gut feeling uh, than anything else, but I just think this is a guy um, I've kind of picked him up in a couple leagues 
to have kind of sitting there wait, waiting for a good spot start. He's playing against Milwaukee, which may not be the best. They do have a good offense, but they are playing in L.A. Uh, and against Woodruff, and Woodruff is, in, is kind of in the same boat. He's that's the other guy I, might, I was thinking of as po- a possible uh, talking about today. Um, and I think he's in the same uh, boat, too, where he was a reliever most of last year, and he's probably only going to give you five innings. But I think that um, Pena could come out, and if he, if he uh, has any command, uh, he could come out there, give you five, six innings, and strike out a ton. And um, he's the type of guy that is probably less than 10% owned in, in, in most leagues. And, but he does have a, a good fastball and good curveball. He's above average. I'm not going to say either of them are plus. But he's got two solid, solid pitches, and he does mix in a, um, a, a, um, a cutter. I mean, I'm sorry, a changeup in there. And the, the, the one difference this year, and one reason why I have more faith in him this year than in the past, is because he does um, – he, instead of instead of just doing the primary four seam fastball, which is was um, you know like running like 91, 92 miles per hour, he's added a sinker uh, in this year, which is still running about 90 miles an hour. And uh, and, and the difference with that is I think is the more he throws that and gets gets accustomed to it and throws it with uh, you know uh, for strikes, he's going to get the ground balls as opposed to the fly balls. And as we all know, if you can get, if you can get more ground balls, you're not going to get the home runs. People are going to have more chance of getting out, so it's going to hit it to people when it's on the ground. And, again, more of a gut than anything else, I just like Pena this week at home, put in a decent start. I, I think he's done, you know, a little bit better each of the first two starts he had, and I, I like him to be able to get at least a, through five innings this time. And, Although Milwaukee has some good bats, they also have a lot of potential strikeouts in that lineup too. And that was mentioned before, um, they, they're going to play with the DH, which actually is a good thing because, quite frankly, uh, Milwaukee's uh, pitching staff is better hitters than, than a lot of other teams right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I like Pena as a, as a really under-the-radar guy this, this, this week. Nice. Yeah, uh, nice uh, low low-end option, uh, low uh, ownership percentage, uh, uh, great choice uh, as always. And uh, I think uh, the guy I'm looking at, uh, lefty from San Diego, Nick uh, Mar- Marjavicious, I-, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, he's looked good so far. Uh, he's 0-1, uh, but he, struck out, uh, he has six strikeouts in 10 innings, uh, 1.8 ERA, a a whip, and he's facing the San Francisco Giants, and their offense has not uh, been something to write home about so far this season. Buster Posey um, hasn't really hit uh, for any power so far. Um, uh, Evan Longoria, he's not the same player he was with Tampa. Uh, He has one home run on the season, which happened, I think, in the second game. Um, And really, all they have is Brandon Belt, um, who uh, who's a lefty, so he'll be uh, uh, Marjavicious should be able to handle him uh, pretty handily. We'll move on to Thursday. Um, Brian, we'll start with you, uh, unless you have any comments about uh, Marjavicious. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he, he I, I can see running him out there as a spot start. Out of all the guys in the. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Padres rotation, which I know is is not you know the the the, the stoutest rotation, 
Um, he's the least I'm excited about in, in uh, as far as like season long or dynasty. But for now, I think uh-huh. he, uh, especially with the matchup, uh, I certainly think that he he could be a nice person to run out there if you're in need of a spot start on Wednesday. Um, as far as Thursday nice. is concerned, yeah. this is actually the guy. Uh, this is actually the guy I'm most excited about on my list. And we're going to return to the Marlins rotation, and I'm going to take Pablo Lopez this week. And I really like him this week, and I actually was really high on him coming in to the season. And uh, this is, uh, I mean, I know it sounds weird to say, we're talking about the Marlins rotation. One of the great things about this offseason is the Marlins chose to go with the guys that they want to see what they have and, and could be the future for this mm-hmm. franchise. Instead of running out Dan Straley, and, and clowns like that that they had on the roster and, and um, you know, what, whatever his name is, Wee Chen, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're letting these young guys get have their chance and they're either going to crash and burn or they're going to end up making them look smart. And this is one guy so far um, that I really like. And he might not be uh, lighting the world on fire per se. Uh, in fact, his ERA is a, is a little on the high side. But um, was six uh, six ten, but his FIP's only three seventeen in the two starts that, that he's had so far. And also, in fairness, uh, he's play, he's won against Colorado and Atlanta. Uh, but what what I'm excited about about this guy is that he has um, he's got three pitches, but it's not one of those type of things. Actually, four if you consider the four seamer and the sinker. Um, he, he throws them all with regularity. He's not like one of these guys that has two main pitches and the, and the other pitcher two has less than 10%. Um, his fastball sinker, he throws just under 60% of the time. But then this curveball and his changeup, he throws each of those just over 20% of the time. So you never know what you're going to get. He'll throw them in any count. He's kind of fearless out there. His fastball is, is above average, you know, and, it, and it, sometimes it will um, it'll flash, uh, flash plus. But his curveball and his changeup are also um, at least major league average pitches, if not better. And his changeup, I think, is a little underrated and can improve. It may be, it may push to be a borderline plus pitch. So he's got three pitches that are major league ready, and um, he has command. And uh, he's own, his his uh, his walks per nine um, only uh, .87. Again, only two starts, but. Damn, I'll take that all day, especially when your strikeout for nine is 10.45. You've got 12 strikeouts to one walk in his two starts so far. I will take that all day long, especially against the Cincinnati uh, lineup, which we just talked about. It's, it's been miserable so far this year. And I don't know if Jeanette could have done much much to help this this, this team. I mean, they've been just out, outrageously bad. It's just funny because we talked about, well, I don't know, you guys did, but I sure talked a lot about this 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 uh, off season. How about how Cincinnati was bringing all these these guys in, and the offense in that ballpark was going to be a lot better, and they're going to try to compete, and mm-hmm. they might touch close to 500. And they brought all these pitchers in who aren't great, but can maybe throw, you know, get you some innings and keep you competitive. Well, they've been bad. Uh, what did they have one win this year? I don't even think they have two wins yet. If they do, then I might might have missed one. But I mean, they've been out. Outrageously bad. The, the lineup all the way up and down. It's under two, under the Mendoza line. Puig has been mm-hmm. ass. You know, it's been it's been it's been miserable. And because of that, I think Lopez is going to throw a gem this week. Uh, and 
again, I, I want to talk about this guy because it's early in the season, and I want to put this guy's name out there because I think he's going to be pleasantly surprised, even though he has that 6'10 ERA now. And his ERA may not be fantastic but um, over the course of the year. It might be close to four. But I'm telling you that this is a guy that's going to get you strikeouts. And if you guys, you guys know when I've been on the show before, I've always talked about command, command, command. That's what um, – when I look at pitchers, that's what I want. I, it'd be great to have a strikeout, so if they're going to walk a ton, I don't want them on my team. And this is a guy that can check both those boxes. He has little notoriety because he's uh, in Miami. Uh, but that ballpark, um, you know, even you know, I think that he has a chance to have a great season, and I really like this matchup this week. Uh, even though this week is in Cincinnati, um, he's up against Sonny Gray, and we all know Sonny Gray. He had a decent start this last week, but he was horrendous week one. Uh, his first start, and I expect to, even though Miami doesn't have the greatest lineup either, you know, Gray could easily implode. Um, I like Lopez to uh, definitely outdo Gray this week, and he's a sleeper for this season. I, I like him in season-long leagues too. Nice, yeah. Uh, uh, great analysis on that, uh, Brian. Uh, Cole, uh, who you got for Thursday? Yeah, well, first off, in terms of, of Lopez, you know, I like him because you know, Brian touched on command. I think he does a lot of things uh, that are repeatable uh, and simple, both uh, in his motions and in his, his delivery to home plate. Um, my only concern is, you know, we talk about how bad uh, the Cincinnati Reds offense has been. And, and the same thing, you know, a bit different than what we were talking about with Colorado because Colorado's different. Um, but, you know, t- to a large extent, I feel kind of the same way uh, about this Reds offense and that I, I still kind of believe that they're, um, one of the better 10 offenses in baseball, uh, maybe statistically not quite because of being in the National League and stuff like that. But, you know, and even with the loss of Scrooge, you know, I like just a lot of hitters on that team. Like, I don't actually believe Jesse Winker is going to have, like, a sub-200 OBP or whatever he's at right now. I mean, that's a guy I expected to have close to a 400 OBP uh, against righties. I know he's young, and I know there's, you know, concerns that, that come with that. But I just think that this team – has potential to be a lot better, and Cincinnati is a kind of scary part uh, when it comes to home runs. So I like mm-hmm. him as a play, uh, but I, I see this matchup. I do still see this matchup, despite how Cincinnati's hit today, as being one with uh, a little bit of variance because it wouldn't surprise me at all, especially as a young pitcher and having given up three and four runs in his first two starts if Cincinnati was able to uh, you know, get the bat to ball. Uh, once or twice pretty well in the game. Thursday was, I felt, one of the more difficult slates to go after. Um, I ended up settling on uh, Brooks from uh, the Oakland Athletics. You know, he's throwing with a little bit more velocity. Uh, This last start uh, against Houston, I I caught quite a bit of. uh, And it wasn't great necessarily, but he also didn't seem to be getting uh, tattooed or or tagged up pretty hard uh, by the opposing hitters. Baltimore is obviously a lot worse uh, of a lineup than Houston, so that would be probably my my mainstreamer target. But uh, out of the four days, I think this one's probably the slimmest in terms of uh, options. Yeah, uh, I agree. Brooks was a name I was looking at as well. But I went the other way. I went for a veteran, uh, Mike Leak. Uh, He's only 5% owned, um, and he's struck out 13 and 12 and a third. Uh, has a 2.92 ERA on the season, 
he's playing at Kansas City. We already met, I already mentioned that Kansas City's offense isn't something to write home about uh, currently, uh, especially uh, with Salvador Perez out for the year. Uh, I, and Mike Leake's a contact pitcher, not really a strikeout guy, uh, so, and he doesn't really walk many people. Uh, he walked he walked a lot in his uh, I believe his first start, but uh, since then he settled down a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's who I have for Thursday: Mike Leake, uh, Seattle Mariners uh, versus Kansas City. Um, we'll move on to uh, uh, some guys who have uh, either started off poorly or um, uh, or hot. Uh, uh, you can just list all your guys that you have gold and. Uh, then we'll move on uh, from there and uh, ask uh, ask about certain guys. All right, so you want me to do uh, hitters and pitchers all at once? Yeah, that's fine. All right. Well, so first things first, you know, Jorge Polanco coming off this cycle just a couple of days ago, uh, which is really exciting, and it feels uh, kind of trendy to uh, target a guy right after a cycle. That said, I right. had him actually in my top. 100 players coming into the season. I was a huge fan uh, of Jorge Polanco. You know, does that mean his ADP was, you know, after 220? So I was very happy to, to see the cycle. I, I had uh, Polanco all over uh, my my DFS and and year long. I have him in every single year long uh, league I'm a part of. So so that was a a big fantasy baseball cycle for me uh, to get my hands on. Um, what I really like about him is that I think his breakout versus right-handed pitchers has already kind of happened. Uh, he's a switch hitter. Uh, his his stances are actually a little different from each side. Um, and I really like his approach from the left-handed side. And I think he's already accomplished a breakout from the left-handed side uh, to where I like him against a lot of right-handed pitchers right now. still think he's uh, coming along against the lefties. Would like to see improvements uh, on those numbers versus left-handed pitchers. But He's a guy that uh, I really like because he's, for one, he's locked into the two hole. He's been hitting second uh, for the for the Minnesota Twins this entire year, so he gets to hit in front of Nelson Cruz, uh, Eddie Rosario. I know he hasn't had the runs in RBIs yet, but you know, with with as much as he's been hitting uh, both for power and getting on base, I have to imagine uh, hitting at the top of a lineup is going to generate a a fair amount of runs and RBIs. And you know, while I don't necessarily see him continuing this toward pace, especially in terms of the extra base hits. Um, he is turning on the ball a lot more this year. He's hitting the ball in the air a lot. He's hitting the ball uh, with authority a lot. Uh, and that could we could see that turn him into a 20 or more home run guy uh, as long as he doesn't go too, uh, too extreme into the change. Um, I think the one guy that I'm changing my – changing my tune on. You know, Jorge Polanco is a guy I really like coming into the season. Uh, one guy I'm changing my tune on is Yoan Moncada. Uh, I really like what I've seen from him so far. He's making a lot better contact and, and rates like contact uh, uh, regulate very quickly. Um, you know, me and Kyle talked about it in a, in a good amount of detail in, in this past Thursday show, uh, but just in general, I think that we're seeing signs that at the least we're going to see a fairly large step forward from Moncada this year, and it could be a true breakout, something along, you know, a top 75-ish player uh, for Yohan Moncada. Um, mentioned Frankie Montas earlier. Uh, just an absolute huge fan uh, of his potential this year. 
I really like his, his combination of 97. Uh, I don't think it's the best overall fastball, but it does have good velocity, and he mixes it with a 90-mile-per-hour uh, slider um, and has you know, added this new pitch in the splitter. So big fan of Frankie Montas. Uh, on the negative side of things, today Zach Wheeler had a, a complete blow-up. You know, that was a guy that I was uh, very high on coming into the season. Um, you know, part of it was, I think, the managerial uh, the decision. Not in, You know, he, he got blown up in the second inning, and then he recovered in the third and fourth. But for some reason, in the fifth inning, they let him walk four batters uh, and get his pitch count all the way up past 100. And that was very surprising to me because I would have felt that after his horrible second inning, he would have had a, a – a very short leash, and I would have imagined they would have at least pulled him after the second batter, if not the first, but but they allowed him to walk four and, and hurt his line even further. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one little dynamic in terms of positive and negative, Jeff McNeil led off for the Mets today. Now, Nimmo was getting a, a day off and did come in and have a pinch hit um, double, I believe, but McNeil got on base four times today. Uh, his OBP is up around the 500 range. Now, it's early into the season, but, you know, he hit 329 last year. And you can say all you want about, you know, being forward based on what players are currently doing. Uh, but Brandon Nemo is in a real slump right now. Uh, this this hit might have sent him over 100 again, but if so, it just barely sent him over 100. Uh, he's striking out over 50% of the time. Uh, you have to wonder if this – you know, audition going so well for McNeil might have replaced him uh, moving forward as the Mets leadoff hitter. Uh, you know, I know based on a lot of things I've said, a lot of people know this, but if I was the Mets manager, I think Jeff McNeil would be uh, the Mets leadoff hitter. Yeah, uh, all those guys, uh, uh, great examples of guys to uh, pay attention to or just uh, – get rid of, uh, not not just like get rid of, but look for a great partner for. Uh, what about you, um, Brian, who, who you got on your list? And you can comment yeah, on um, Cole's points as well. Uh, I, I really um, like the McNeil pick too. I, I was high on him coming into the year. I mean, obviously he'd be mm-hmm. fantastic in the minors. Um, not, you know, someone that had been uh, given a lot of fanfare, uh, but he came right in to New York last year and performed basically the same way. So um, he's just got all around. Um, you know, I don't know that he's outstanding at any one thing, but he can pretty much contribute in every area, and and he has a lot of uh, versatility in the in on defense too. So he's definitely a guy I like not only in real life, but he can be a handy guy to have on your fantasy team because I, you know, midway through the season, he's probably going to be eligible to play uh, for, you know, three, four positions. So, um, but my, the guys I have I'm looking at, I, I only have hitters in here. I read this, uh, this, this, um, this topic as, as basically hitters. And so I have mm-hmm. one guy, I'm really high, really high on one guy I like, but it's kind of uh, not, not, you know, could go either way. And that one guy that is ready, I'm ready to cut bait on and the first guy, the one guy I'm really high on is Yandy Diaz for Tampa. Um, this is a guy mm-hmm. that I really was excited about coming into the season. Uh, when he got traded to uh, Tampa, um, I was really excited, even though at first they didn't think he'd have a place to play because they have 
Um, they have Duffy and, and you know, um, others, you know, they have plenty of people, um, you right. know, that they didn't think he was going to have the at-bats. But uh, fortunately for him, um, Duffy hasn't played yet, and it looks like he's going to be out for, what, six weeks or something like that. So I don't think he's going to be um, a problem. And then Joey Wendell just went down, too. So they definitely have a lot of need in their infield. And um, he has been able to play pretty much every day. The only day he didn't play uh, was the day that he got hurt temporarily. I just can't remember he got hit by a pitch or something like that when he came out. But he was back after a day. Um, and yesterday, Saturday, was the first day that he was held without a hit in a game this, this year. So he he hit mm-hmm. safely in uh, in his first six games, seven, six, seven games. Um, let's see, it was one, two, three, yeah. four. He hit safely in his first seven games um, of the season. Now, one reason why people weren't high on him is he's not he's not really a young prospect. He's 27 years old. He's never really had a lot of opportunity to play um, when he was in Cleveland. Um, but the one thing he was known is his arms. Uh, he's like he, he was. I think his nickname was biceps or or something like that. Um, he's got huge. His arms are bigger than like my whole body are. Um, and because of that, uh, he has a, an amazing arm. He's got like a 70 grade arm. Um, so I don't understand why people haven't given him more of a chance uh, to play third base. Now I know um, Cleveland hmm. had Ramirez last year, and you're not going to play him over Ramirez. But uh, this is a perfect opportunity for him to show what he has. He's an average defender. He's not going to. He's not going to be. Uh, I know. Actually, I take that back. He's a little above average. He's not a bad fielder. But he's, got, he's got a cannon for an arm. He also can go play a corner outfield position. He's not going to be as good um, with the glove out there, but he does, again, have that arm out there. So he has a possibility to be on the field all the time, which is annoying because in a lot of fan tracks leagues, he was only eligible as a DH. I made sure I picked him up in my uh, Major League Fantasy Sports League this year. I'm late in the draft, and I was so excited about it. Right now, I can only stick him in the utility spot because he's only qualified for DH. But um, another game or two, he should have that third base eligibility. But um, he is a guy that um, has has incredible raw power, but we haven't seen it yet in games. He never was a home run hitter in, in, in the minor league. He didn't show much pop in, mm-hmm. in the little experience he had. Um, but if you see his arms, you know he has to have the ability to have power and just and hasn't haven't seen it yet. Well, um, he does have a couple of home runs this year, but one of them was a, was a, was a blast. And I think that shows you what he's capable of doing. But the fact of the matter is that's not his game. He's not looking to go up there and hit the ball 500 feet. Uh, this is a guy that has incredible plate discipline. Uh, this is a, and this is a guy that has um, more uh, more walks and strikeouts. You know, in the, in the seven games, I don't know, I don't have the stats for today's game, uh, but uh, he had 12.1 walk percentage and a 9.1 K percentage this year. If you have your walk if you're if you're walking more than ten percent, uh, and you're striking out less than ten percent, you're on my team. That's the guy I'm targeting. I I don't care about the home runs. I oh, know I think they'll come. But even with the two home runs, the guy's ISO is uh is point three one zero. So he's obviously hitting the ball. He's getting extra base hits. You know he's got mm-hmm. um, three doubles on the season to, to add to the two home runs. So five with nine hits with an extra base hits. I will take that all day long. If you look, if you're one that use the, that's into modified on-base average, which I prefer over regular on-base percentage, um, his modified on-base per, uh, average is, is uh, 428. 
So the guy finds a way to get on base. He does not strike out. And, for, and, and then right now, because of some of the injuries, the, um, the, the Rays are batting him in the middle of the lineup. He's pretty much batting uh, fourth or fifth most days, although he did have a couple games he batted first, which was kind of odd because he doesn't run at all. But he's basically going to be slotted in that five hole uh, most of the time. So he's going to have guys in front of him. So he's going to have lots of RBI potential. So what I'm saying mm-hmm. about this guy is I love him. He's a high-contact guy. He has a great eyes. He's got great di- plate dis- discipline. So he's going to give you good at-bats. He's going to have guys in front of him. We all know that T- T- Tampa's team is, is a sneaky good team. They're in first place right now. I don't expect that to change. Mm-hmm. Look at their lineup. It doesn't have the all-stars that you're, the Red Sox, the Yankees have. But there's a reason why they won 90 games last year, um, and they would have won a hell of a lot more if they were in a different division. But the fact of the matter is Meadows right. looked good this year. Fan is good. Um, you know, they also got this guy sitting in the minors. He's probably going to be the everyday first baseman in a couple months named Nate Lowe, who's, a, who's going to be a perennial 30-home run hitter, um, though he does strike out a ton. But you have Diaz in the middle of this lineup with these guys, uh, with these guys in front of him and, and some protection behind him. Um, he's, going to, he's going to perform well, and I don't see – this pace slowing down at all for him. I like him all year long. Uh, he's 27. Uh, I still have, I still, I got, I acquired him in two dynasty leagues this offseason. Obviously, um, 27 is a little old for, for that, but he's still just in the cusp, and I think he's going to have a breakout year, and he's going to be solid for the next mm-hmm. five, six years, and you're going to, you're going to like having him on your team. Um, mm-hmm. My second guy that I want to talk about is Christopher Walker for the Diamondbacks. Now, he's another guy. He's a little bit older. He's 28 years old. He was a high-touted uh, prospect for Baltimore for many years, but was always, um, he was always stuck behind Chris Davis, which seems hilarious right now. And um, then he moved over to Arizona, and he got stuck behind Paul Goldschmidt. Now, coming in the season, uh, he was probably going to platoon with, Mike, with uh, Jake Lamb, with Lamb you know, having some success um, in the majors, going to be the primary guy. But as per right on cue, Jake Lamb gets hurt, and he's going to be gone at least six weeks. So what I expect Walker to be able to play nearly every day uh, now. And uh, now here's the thing with Walker. Walker had a really, really hot start. That's why he's on this list. He, he hit in his first five mm-hmm. games, and he had two, two of those games. He had, um, he had uh, two hits, and he had three home runs in that. So he's very, very productive. As soon as uh, Jake Lamb gets hurt, he, he's, he's been over 12. Uh, so he's had a couple of games in a row when he's got goose eggs. So there's a little bit of concern that he could be streaking. That being said, I think unless he really has these really long streaks of ineffectiveness, he's going to get a chance to play. I don't think that Arizona has enough depth to, to, to replace him there as long because he has that potential threat to hit the ball out of the park, which they need. Uh, so far he's been batting pretty much – uh, fourth or fifth every game they started. Um, he's he he has he has a couple of games where he pitched hit early in the season. But since he's been the starter, he's batting fourth or fifth, and he actually batted third on Saturday. So they're going to give him plenty mm-hmm. of bats. They're going to put him in the middle of the lineup, and it's not a scary lineup per se. But you know, um, Castillo Marte is looking pretty damn good right now too. And you get that guy in front of you, he's going to have some guys on base. Um, he has the potential to drive in some runs. Now on the downside, he also has the potential to strike out. Um, unlike Diaz, uh, he, this, he will swing and miss a little bit more. Um, you know, he doesn't walk as much. So right now, though, it's not bad, 17.9% uh, K, uh, K percentage, but he still has a pretty 
pretty off the charts uh, ISO 423. Um, and his, and his, um, his batting average of balls in play has only been 222, which is, which is saying something because right now um, he's actually he's hitting above uh, what, where, where his shown his luck is. So um, I think that he has, some, yeah. he has some staying power as long as he makes contact and has a little bit better plate discipline. Um, his on-base percentage is only 321, but what I mentioned before, his, his weighted on-base per, uh, average is 409. So he does he will take a uh, take one for the team and get on base in other ways, and and that's one thing that's really important um, when you have uh, when you need a production in the middle of that lineup. So I really like I like Walker. I'm not sold on him as David Diaz, but he's a sneaky pick. Um, I, I have him in a couple mm. te- um, couple teams this this year, and so far so good on that. Uh, the last guy yeah, I want to uh, talk about. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Say something. Oh, the last guy I want to talk no, about is Brian Dozier. Um, this is the guy that used, was a perennial All Star at second base. Uh, one of you know, forty home runs. And last year, um, found came in to find out he got hurt in April and he had a bulky knee and he never really recovered and so it had a down season. And even though he didn't complain about it, he was a, he was a true professional. It was one of those things that he he. He was probably playing 60, 70% all year, and um, it really kind of sucked the life out of him, so to speak. And then he got traded to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers had this wacky-ass way of, of managing their guys where they didn't have anyone playing every day, and they had him sitting all the time. And uh, I think you guys know as well as I do, that doesn't really work for everyday professional baseball players. They need to, have, they need to know that they're playing six, seven days a week so that they can get in a groove and get going. What um, my – I thought when when uh, Dozier signed with Washington, I was basically given the second base spot, um, and says he's 100% healthy, that he would um, be a lot better. And uh, I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, he's 31 years old, um, but um, in the past he's he's been a pretty he has struck out, but he has been able to to, to get on base. Uh, but that power at the second base has always been very very titillating. Um, problem is this mm-hmm. year he sucks ass. He only has two hits, um, and, you know, he's been miserable batting in the middle of the lineup. Um, and, and, well, I mean, he was batting seventh for a couple of but they moved him up to second uh, in the last couple of games. He's only got one hit in those games that he's been batting uh, in, the, in the two-hole. And you he, and he need someone in the two-hole that's going to make contact. Uh, unlike Walker and Diaz, who are both, um, you know, swinging at balls in a strike zone at over 70%, those years, has only got 68% um, contact rate. I'm sorry, uh, swing percentage in the in the zone, and he his contact rate um, is only 63%, which is much way below average. Um, you, you see, Diaz is 76.9%, and Walker is 78.6%, and you got uh, Dozier at 63.3. So the guy is just is, is not. Uh, he says he's healthy. He doesn't look like it. He's not making contact. Um, his swings and uh, his swing strike rate is 16.8 percent. He's missing the ball, and if you're doing that, you shouldn't be batting in the two hole. And I'm ready to cut bait on him. I have him in one league, uh, in his dynasty league. But the only reason why I haven't yet is because he's under contract for two more years. I really don't want to take the cap hit. If I can find some sucker that will trade me anything for him, he's going to be gone. So that's 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 the guy yeah. that I'm ready to cut bait cut bait on. He's he's a dud right now, and I don't see it improving. You know, he, I can't it can't be worse. So I think he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. But being uh, he's probably going to be like a two thirty hitter this year, and, and the power doesn't look like it's coming back. 
Yeah, uh, he's he's. He, I own him in uh, basically a points league, and he's been, uh, as you said, uh, socks ass um, all year. And uh, I'm about ready to cup eight with him. Uh, I'm gonna see how he does this week because I believe he has a few games at a at a couple hitter friendly ballparks. So I uh, I think this might be the last week I uh, live with uh, Brian Dozier on uh, my roster. Uh, I'll throw out. A couple of guys that I've looked at. Um, then we'll move on to our uh, series uh, previews. Um, Tim and, uh, Anderson of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, uh, you mentioned Polanco, um, Cole, and uh, Anderson. Um, even though he missed, I think he missed a, either a game or two games uh, due to the birth of uh, his sons. And uh, he's really... Uh, Taking a liking to that, he's he's. I think he had nine hits in this series alone. He's hitting 560 now on the season. Uh, two home runs. Uh, I think uh, he didn't hit a home run today, but he hit a home run Friday and Saturday uh, in his first two games back. So uh, he's a nice little shortstop. Um, I think he, he might. Uh, he's obviously not going to hit 560, but uh, he he's a nice little run producer and run scorer uh, if you need it um, going forward. And another guy, I know he's probably already dropped in most leagues, but um, Chris Davis with the Orioles, uh, he is uh, on a little bit of a streak currently. Um, I believe he's 0 for 23 this season, and uh, he went he went 0 for 19 to end last season. Uh, uh, he so uh, I believe he's 0 for his last 42. It might be 0 for his last 44, um, but the record is 0 for 46 without a hit um, for a position player. So uh, <laughs> that's something to keep an eye on uh, if you're if you really like uh, bad baseball. Um, it, it, it's really something. Uh, it's it's incredible that he's still on the. Orioles, I know they're paying him anyway until 20, I believe it's 2035, or it might be even longer than that. Um, and they're basically paying him like $4.5 million, uh up until 2035, uh, once his current contract is up uh, in, I think, 2022, 2023, somewhere around there. So um, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, but before we continue on to our series previews, I just want to remind our audience of our partner, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Are you tired of the same old salary-based daily fantasy apps and websites? You can sign up for Thrive Fantasy Sports, which is a prop bet-based site that uses over and unders for players in MLB, NBA, and NFL to make a lineup. And more sports are on the way. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or on phones and tablets, the iTunes and Google Play Store. Look for the Thrive Fantasy app. After you download, use the promo code MLFS. That's Major League Fantasy Sports, uh, the initials. So MLFS. Uh, you will get uh, your first $10 match in real time. That's right. If you put in 10 bucks, then you get an extra 10 in real time. Just use the promo code MLFS in the Thrive Fantasy app. Remember to donate to our Patreon account. You can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com along the right side of the page, just under the headline section. 
You'll find the Patreon donation button. You can set up a monthly donation for a little, for as little as one dollar, or make a one-time donation. Thank you to our current supporters. We also have uh, multiple openings in our football leagues for the 2019 season, with the draft uh, coming up. Uh, great time to jump on football leagues for the upcoming season. You can email Corey D. Roberts at majorleaguefantasysports at gmail.com for more details. So we're going to jump into our series. Uh, uh, everyone has a series that they want to talk about. Um, we'll start with you, Cole. Um, what series you got? Well, I think um, more than any, the series that intrigues me on both sides of the ball might be this uh, – Los Angeles Dodgers, St. Louis Cardinals four-game series. Uh, I like it first mm-hmm. off from the fact that just that it, it is a four-game series, so so it gives us a lot to to pick into and talk about. Um, on the Dodgers rotation side of things, uh, hold on, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, you got so Urias is going today, so you got Ryu, uh, Stripling, Maeda, and uh, Bueller going for the rest of the week. Uh, now Bueller is a guy who. You know, not necessarily off to a great start this year, but uh, I'm very excited to see him uh, in St. Louis. I think this is going to be his first real shutdown uh, outing of the season. Uh, Stripling's a guy who I think can bounce back after kind of a rough one his last time out. Uh, and then Maeda also uh, very interesting. Uh, always had a lot of swing and miss stuff. Uh, the real rub with him is how many times he's been bounce between the starting rotation and, and the bullpen, uh, it seems fairly frequent. But, but right now, as he is a starting pitcher, uh, he's good to go. Similarly, you know, Shunjin Ryu, uh, the biggest complaint about his career today has mostly just been, uh, is he healthy or not? So so for the starts that he is in the rotation, you know, this, uh, this Dodgers rotation looks pretty good, even in the absence of Clayton Kershaw when all these guys are healthy and pitching uh, to their abilities at the top of the rotation. Uh, on the Cardinals side of things, it's going to be interesting to see if Miles Mikolas can rebound from a rather rough start to the season. You know, he's the kind of pitcher that, that relies on success in a very small margin of error. Uh, so far, he hasn't really been able to live in that margin of error. Uh, this year will be, be interesting to see if he can moving forward. Um, the young Dakota Hudson uh, in a tough matchup Tuesday, not not someone I'm streaming, not someone I'm playing any kind of matchup play against, probably not even in a DFS-type format. Um, but what I will do is, is watch the game and, and be interested in, in how it goes because, you know, this is a very tough start to go out there and go against the Dodgers team, especially the Dodgers team for this right-handed St. Louis Cardinals lineup that is, that is very left-handed mm-hmm. uh, between there's like Bellinger uh, and Muncie and Seager. Um, so, so that's what uh, those righties have to look forward to, uh, including Jack Flaherty, who has been off to a bit of a rough start as well. Um, Flaherty had a, had a bad first start, had a better second start, but he also got that pitch count really high. Uh, only made it, I believe, through five innings. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does against a, ch- a challenging Dodgers lineup uh, that'll throw out, again, a lot of a lot of lefties uh, to just stick it out in his face. Uh, in terms of some of these hitters on both sides, going going back to the Dodgers side of things, you know, Cody Bellinger is off to a ridiculous start to the season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he didn't hit for necessarily the power that we expected to in, in year two last year, but I think what we see in Cody Bellinger is, is the chance to be kind of a, a more power version 
of what Col- uh, or excuse me, what uh, Paul Goldschmidt was the past few years. You know, this guy who, for the first base position, has the athleticism, excuse me, to steal a, a lot of bases for the position. Also has uh, the power to hit an elite number of home runs. So, you know, very interested to see uh, if Cody Bellinger can can take this and, and run into you know, taking the next step to being closer to an MVP level, true game-changing type of hitter, uh, no matter what, what the position you play in. Uh, Corey Seager, on the other hand, a bit of a slower start, um, but, you know, the, the average is a little down. I think he only has one home run, but he's a, he's a talent that I absolutely believe in. Uh, I think he's he's going to be able to come back um, from that, that injury, that Tommy John that he had. I, I don't necessarily think that's the problem as much as him just being a little cold to start the season. So I'm very intrigued um, because I think moving forward he can uh, continue to put it together and, and just be a, a very solid hitter. Um, on the other handed side, you know, we talked about all the lefties. Enrique Hernandez is, is one of the Dodgers righties who, who's been uh, ascending in drafts, or not in drafts, but in, in you know, value perceptions in people's minds uh, because he's mm-hmm. been, you know, more of the second – uh, the primary second baseman leading off against lefties. Uh, I think we've talked about him a few times now uh, on, on these radio shows, but, uh, you know, Enrique Hernandez is a very interesting, uh, you know, a guy who's ascending. Um, in terms of the St. Louis Cardinals, one guy who's kind of caught my eye so far this season, not necessarily even in terms of play, but, you know, the fact that Paul DeJong is, is batting third is still very interesting to me feel like he's, he's mm-hmm. the kind of guy that has a lot of power for the middle infield where it, it can sometimes be a little rare to find that power. So I, I really like um, him as, as a shortstop middle infield option fantasy leagues uh, right now. And then uh, in terms of the rest of the offense, just want to see them uh, continue. Maybe not I don't as a Cubs fan, but in, in terms of their own personal performance, uh, just continue to take uh, steps forward, uh, getting Goldschmidt used to to St. Louis and, and seeing how that and, and seeing how these two, you know, National League teams who could rightfully be competing for some of the top spots in their respective divisions uh do in a four game series against one another. Yeah, well great 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 analysis on all that. Um any comments on that, Brian, and then you can just jump right into your series. Uh yeah, um yeah, it was, that's one of the uh, matchups I was uh, I was eyeing up to, and ultimately I went uh, another way, which is good um, that we could talk about both of these. Um, the com- a few comments I'll just piggyback on is uh, Walker Bueller. Um, again, he, as Cole mentioned, he hasn't had the fantastic start to the season, but mostly it was that first start that he totally bombed, um, and it was the first start of the year. I don't think too much uh, of that. He, he pitched yesterday, and I think he went five innings, gave up one run, and it was a solo shot to David Dahl, who's been just crushing the ball this year. Uh, so I, I think that he showed a lot more. Now, the only concern that fantasy owners might have is he only had four strikeouts uh, yesterday uh, when, you know, we were counting on him to do a lot more than that. But um, he's young, uh, I, and I think that um, we're going to see him start to dominate pretty soon, and we're going to start seeing him – um, being more of an SB2 coming up shortly and maybe by the end of the year or even an SB1. Um, in my opinion, I just think he's that, got that kind of dominating stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm cool with them kind of taking it easy on him and, and kind of letting him do his thing and letting them dominate when they need him to. Um, and then as far as on the bats are concerned, 
Um, I have Corey Seager on my dynasty leagues. I got him pretty cheap this offseason because of the injury, and I was hoping for a bounce back, and I still think he can. Um, he, he started out – I wasn't expecting him to be on fire coming off a, pretty much a lost season, um, but he has disappointed in even uh, my expectations. Um, but I do think he's got the skill set. Um, that he uh, can, can turn it around, and I think he just needs to build up the strength um, and just kind of get used to playing every day and the grind that it, it is to be a professional baseball player. And uh, he's going to be fine when it's all said and done. He's going he's gonna to have a, a, a good season, maybe not a great season, but I think he's going to, you know, he's going to be good and he'll, he'll get there. Uh, so I'll just preach uh, patience with him. As far as my uh, serious concern, um, might be a little biased. I'm going to go with the uh, Yankees-Astros series. Uh, biased in the sense that the, the Yankees are my um, are my team, um, so I always like talking about them. Um, but I think um, this is actually a very interesting series besides that. You have two teams, the Astros and the Yankees, that are both considered to be uh, World Series contenders, um, and they both are all kind of uh, off to a slow start. Now, I think they're both – at or over 500 now, um, the Yankees kind of had a had a nice recovery this weekend, but get the lowly Orioles a little bit of revenge from last week, and and, uh, and the Astros uh, did I think won today, the, the, so they're they're moving in the right direction. But they definitely have shown both teams have shown some um, you know some damaging um, some, just some some weaknesses right now. But with the Yankees, it has a lot to do with the fact they don't have anybody healthy on the team. This is a team with 11 guys on IR. I mean, and listen to some of the guys that are on the injured list right now. They have Miguel Andujar, Troy Tulewiski, Jacoby Ellsbury, Aaron Hicks, Gene Carlos Stanton, Didi Gregorius, Jordan Montgomery, CeCe Sabathia, Luis Severino, Dylan Pertances, and Ben Heller. It's 11 guys, and it's only a week and a half into the season. Now, we can all laugh at Ellsbury and Tulewiski because no one um, thought that they would be healthy anyways, even by this time of the year. We figured Tulewiski would probably break something in the first week of training camp. The fact that he got to the, to the opening day healthy was actually a miracle, in my opinion. But you have, you have some significant starters here. Andrew R., Hicks, Stanton, and Gregorius. Those are four important starters that are going to be out um, at least in this sense of Green Corius and Andohar for for half, not the whole season. And, and Hicks, we don't really know what's going on with him. We thought it was supposed to be back by now, but he hasn't even started baseball activities the last I heard. So he could be out for a while. Mm-hmm. Stanton, I think, is, is going to be the first one back in this, and we all know how important he can be with his back. But let's not uh, forget how important um, Severino, who's the ace of the staff, and Batantis is the link in that bullpen. Um these are right. some significant guys that are out of the lineup and not available right now. And so they have a very uh, – I mean, they still have some good hitters in this lineup, but it is, it is much more um, of an average lineup than than uh, what we were expecting going into the season. So to me, it's not that surprising. I'm not that worried that they have been a little slow to start. Um, I mean, they've been worse than expected and I was kind of disappointed that Judge has been swinging and missing at everything because that's not really his game yet he'll strike out somebody he usually also has very good play discipline too and can work a walk with the best of them but he's just been seeming like trying to hit a home run every time up and and even though we got a couple this weekend uh, prior to that uh, he's kind of looked lost up there and Luke Foy hasn't been bad but he hasn't been as good as they had him last year 
Um, Sanchez struggled at the beginning, though he had a good weekend. Um, this lineup is going to be okay, uh, but they need to get some of those guys back. And, and, but this series is an important series um, that is going to help one of these teams maybe right the ship and another team get, um, maybe get too far behind. Last year, the Yankees won 100 games. But um, in my opinion, they lost the, NL, I mean, the AL East in April because they actually had a great um, season, but they were awful in April. And, and you know, you, you hear people say you can't win the division in April, but you can lose it. And I believe strongly the Yankees mm-hmm. lost the division in April last year. And they won 100 games. Now, they didn't suck so bad in April, um, despite the fact that the Red Sox had a pretty much magical year. They were incredible. Um, the Yankees gave up a lot of easy wins in April last year. That could have been it could have been a different game if they had won a division instead of the Red Sox. So that being said, um, you have two teams that are kind of struggling both at the plate, uh, but you have a really, some really good intriguing uh, matchups this week. Now the the Yankees are going to throw out uh, again. This is a three game series. Uh, I hadn't mentioned that yet. You got Tanaka going on Monday, uh, Lois Iga going on Tuesday, as Cole mentioned, and Paxton going on Wednesday. So um, you're not quite sure about the rookie, what to expect from him. But Tanaka and Paxton, you like to have those guys going in this series as you have two of your, your best arms going mm-hmm. uh, in an important series like this. Um, Paxton has, has, has been, and Tanaka have both been pretty good so far this year, and um, they need to be able to keep it up for the Yankees to have a chance. Tanaka is a guy that you always worry every time he goes out there that his elbow is going to fall off. So it's always mm-hmm. – Difficult for me to watch him because I'm always afraid he's going to throw, um, he's going to he's going to throw a cutter, uh, or I mean, a, one of his split finger, and it's going to rip his elbow. Um, but so far, so good this year. He's looked pretty good, and they need to be able to keep it up. The biggest thing that I, I see in this series for the on offense for the Yankees is going to be the continued um, inspired play of Clint Frazier. This is a guy that came up to cover in Stanton's injury. And the way he's hitting right now, he has a good chance to be able to continue to play when Stanton comes back because Greg Bird is not lighting it up right now. And I could easily see Stanton um, taking that DH spot, Voight playing first base even though he's terrible in the field, um, and then giving Frazier a lot of uh, play out in the outfield because uh, over in left field because he's, he's so far he's, he's been excellent. And this is the guy that we we expected as Yankees fans. This is a guy that you traded for and trying to whip, figure out why are they not giving this guy a chance. Well, it's because they got all these studs in the outfield. They don't have a place for him. But then why not trade him for something? They've kept him all this long. They really like him. There's got to be a reason for it. He's starting to show it. And I'd like to see him have a great series and, and give it, give them a chance to, to stick in the lineup afterwards. The, the downside to the Yankees is they have nobody um, on the bench anymore. Wade's now the starting second baseman. Um, they have uh, Ursula and uh, Topman uh, as their bench guys. And they're just very, very um, – someone at the team that, used, that was came into the season as being deep has already went through all that depth. Uh, on the, on the mm-hmm. Houston side, the good thing for Houston's got going for them this, this week is they have the top three pitchers going this game. They have Verlander against Tanaka on Monday. They got Cole on Tuesday and McHugh on Wednesday. And so they have the guys that they want in this matchup. Uh, the guys are going to give them the best chance to win. Uh, the key is, is, is their offense going to come alive? And, and it started to pick up a little bit. Bregman started off really poorly, and he's starting to pick it up a little bit. Same with Correa. Correa was hurt, though, 
Uh, he had some a neck problem at the beginning of the year. So we're beginning to see those guys start to play. So ultimately, I think it's these these sleeping offenses, whichever one is, is going to be back uh, in uh, what we expect from them. That's the team I think is going to overcome in this series. We have some good matchups coming up. Ultimately, I don't know that either team is going to throw – um, you know, huge numbers as far as uh, the uh, pitching is concerned. It really is going to depend on which team's offense comes to um, comes to play. The last thing I want to say about this matchup, normally we talk about the Yankees bullpen because of how deep it is and, and all the pickups they made. I want to talk about one guy in the Astros bullpen that I think is underrated, and that's their setup guy, Ryan Presley, the eighth in the guy. The guy is lights out, mm-hmm. and um, he's entrenched in that uh, spot. He's 30 years old, so he's not – a young guy, but this guy, I've watched some of him so far this year, and he's been almost unhittable. And uh, I picked him up in a couple leagues this year, um, especially the leagues like Major League Fantasy Sports that has a lot of holes and um, inherited runs stranded. Uh, and he's he's just lighting it up on uh, this year with, with the holds and uh, with the strikeouts. So he's a guy to keep in mind. This is a fantasy show. Um, if you are if you have if middle relief pitchers have a value in your league, you should have this guy in your lineup. Yeah, uh, uh, that sounds great. Uh, That's actually one of the series I was looking at as well, uh, especially since the Yankees uh, ripped a lot of home runs today. I believe it was 14 home runs in the three-game series against Baltimore, uh, three today by uh, Gary Sanchez. So um, that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll keep mine quick and brief my series, a two-game series between the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox are off to a 3-8 and eight start, uh, as are the Blue Jays. Um, I was mainly looking at this from a uh, pitching perspective because uh, in the first game of the series, uh, Chris Sale, who has not looked like um, the ace, but apparently that's what, it, what he's supposed to look like, throwing 89-mile-per-hour uh, fastballs. Um, he's 0-2 with an 80 array. Um, from what I've heard, this start uh, could be the start where you see the old uh, Chris Sale. Um, basically, uh, his fastball should be up, and uh, he should uh, basically have more control of his pitches. And on the other side, Matt Shoemaker, who has not allowed an earned run so far this season, 2-0. Uh, he's a guy that everyone should be picking up because um, when he's healthy, he, he's shown he can uh, get it done, not only um, because he's a ground ball pitcher, uh, but he also gets strikeouts. So uh, that's one matchup. Uh, that's the uh, game one matchup that I'm looking at. And then they have a day off before they uh, play again. And uh, Aaron Sanchez, who's 1-1 one one with a 1.64 ERA, takes on uh, Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, Eovaldi uh, has been lighting up the radar gun so far this season, but Aaron Sanchez has shown um, that he deserves also to be uh, either a streamer or a guy who you pick up for the uh, season-long play. And um, from the hitter's perspective, um, you got Freddie Galvez leading the Blue Jays with a 324 average. Uh, He's also driven in a team-high six RBI. Uh, Justin Smoke's been hurt, and uh, Freddie Galvez has gotten a lot of run. Uh, a, a guy who has struggled, Danny Jensen, was uh, a hot catching, um, basically sleeper. Uh, so far, he hasn't uh, 
been up to snuff, uh, but he's starting to turn it around. He got a double uh, against Carrasco on Saturday. Uh, I believe he had the day off today. Um, and obviously uh, the Red Sox have been saved. Uh, Mitch Moreland has nine RBI, three home runs, uh, including the game winner today and the uh, a pinch hit, three-run home run uh, in the second game of the season. Otherwise, the Red Sox would probably only have uh, one win. Um, and J.D. Martinez has been tearing the cover off the ball, hitting three thirty-three on the season, uh, and he also has three home runs. Um, and it's interesting to see the top of the Red Sox lineup as well. Uh, they've been fluctuating between Benintendi at the top and Mookie Betts. Uh, it looks like Andrew Benintendi is going to be the long haul there. Uh, he struggled early, um, but I believe he has a three- or four-game hit streak. Uh, so he's a he's a guy to keep an eye on um, uh, to see if he starts to uh, get hot. Basically, all the Red Sox hitters um, this week uh, they have six uh, they have five games at Fenway this week, which uh, should help um, their season uh, get back on track. Uh, that's all I got. Um, thank you, uh, both you guys, uh, Brian. Uh, what do you have to close up the show tonight? Yeah, well, I would be remiss if I didn't bring in some um, some prospect knowledge um, on my way out today. Uh-huh. I, I, <laughs> so um, I, I have three, just three names um, that to keep in mind. And of course, everybody knows these names, so it's not so much a surprise. But these are guys that, that, that probably will be up by the end of the of the month uh, because I believe these mm-hmm. teams are um, the teams are keeping them down for uh, for Super Two reasons so that they can get an extra year of control over him. Uh, first one being Vlad Guerrero. Everybody knows who he is. He was drafted in, in pretty much every redraft league and disappointed that he started the season um, in the minors. But the, the, the Blue Jays got a little lucky because he, um, he got hurt. Um, but that seems to be done. He's playing in games now, and I expect to see him up in a couple weeks to take over the third base mm-hmm. slot. Brandon Drury has been a nice placeholder, I suppose, um, he's a nice veteran guy, but he's not Vlad Guerrero. Vlad Guerrero is going to come in, he's going to hit, and he's going to slide into the middle of that roster, that lineup, and I think he's going to make the Blue Jays lineup that much better, uh, especially with Galvis playing so well. And that moves uh, – yeah. they, can, they can have Richard Urena basically being the um, utility player. He can play all infield positions but first. And uh, you have um, – I think you have a really solid uh, – improvement there and really they have to do this because they need to get the butts in the seats the fans are need, want him there and they're going to stop coming to the game if he doesn't get up there soon uh second guy is nick senzel from cincinnati i really believe it's the same thing going on there because yeah i get they either had some they had some depth um and they they said Scheibler won the, the center field position out of camp but he's not been good this he's batting on the 200 um, and basically is, uh, so is all the other outfielders. So um, they're going to continue to, to, to platoon Kemp and Winker. Um, to me, I mean, Scheibler doesn't cost you much. He's almost 30 years old. Why not bring Stenzel out, let him play some center field, let him, let, let's see what you got. Because right now, one, two wins in the season, they're not doing they didn't, they're not off the start that they thought they would be. Uh, so I think he would inject some life in there. Uh, and then the final guy for Baltimore – they, um, I think everybody was pretty uh, was pretty upset when Austin Hayes didn't make the uh, the opening day roster. 
because he had just a monster spring. Um, but again, the only thing I can think of is, is Baltimore wanting to hold him back to get an extra year of control. You don't see pitchers on this list because people don't don't usually do that with pitchers. When they're ready, they pitch. But hitters, uh, because they play every day, um, they they tend to they tend to hold them back for for um, playing um, you know for uh, for that contract status, which sucks as a fan and as a fantasy uh, player. But um, there's no reason why Chris Davis should be in that lineup anymore. They need to move Mancini to first base and bring in Austin Hayes to play right field. And then, then you got Dwight Smith, who's been has been a nice surprise. You got Cedric Mullins, which is an exciting fast center fielder, and then you'd have Austin Hayes in right field. And even though they're going to be bad this year, that gives you some excitement in Baltimore to, to, for fans to come to the to not only the games but for fantasy owners that have some nice exciting players to check the box scores and, and the highlights for every day. All right, thank you, Brian. As always, uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, man. Have a good time. Yeah, you too. All right, Cole, uh, thanks again for all your insight. Uh, what did you want to leave uh, the show with? You know, I just actually want to touch on a couple notes that we didn't have a chance to get back to. Um, you know, I mentioned sure. mostly going into this Yankees-Houston series. Uh, I mentioned uh, Siga, uh, rather, uh, earlier on the show as a potential streamer with some high upside, low ownership percentage yep. likely if you're talking about something – uh, like DFS, uh, even more on Wednesday, I really like uh, on the other side, uh, McHugh going up against the Yankees. You know, this Yankees lineup uh, is very, you know, it's not poor overall, but it, it does kind of mm-hmm. thin out after you get past a few guys now that they've had uh, so many injuries. Uh, when you're talking about something like DFS, uh, your next two two games, you're going to have Verlander and Cole, so there's no way that you can throw those guys out there and, and save money in terms of your salary. Uh, but McHugh will likely be a, a little bit more inexpensive, uh, and I think that could make right. him a, a, a potential decent DFS play. Um, and then other than that, you know, I, I like I liked Brian in and on, on these minor league prospects. The only one caveat I want to add, though, to the guys he brought up, I'm still not completely sold that, for one, that Austin Hayes is just in the minor leagues uh, for mm-hmm. – you know, service time issues. And, and, and I think it's possible that he stays down there a lot. I just, I at least want to see how he hits uh, for a week or two weeks right. in AAA, uh, if that's the level he's playing at. He's, I mean, you know, he, he had a 367 OBP and a 330 average uh, and, and quite a bit of home runs in his 2017 sample in AA. Um, but whether you, yep. whether you regard it as, as, as injury or not, he had a 271 OBP last year in AA. Uh, with a 4.2 walk uh, walk percentage and 20.5% K percentage, uh, his approach isn't necessarily great, especially in terms of the KBB. Uh, and then overall, he only has really 283 good plate appearances uh, over high A. He has 570 in total, but again, uh, those last 288 came with a 271 OBP. So, you know, if if I was the Orioles, not just for this year, not just for service time manipulation, I might be uh, just seeing how he can hit in AAA b- because I also don't think yeah. that Austin Hayes is the kind of guy uh, who should be taking AAA for granted as a player who should get the call up because I don't necessarily feel like he has earned it uh, in the way that some of these other guys do. You know, I believe he can earn it quick like a Vlad Guerrero Jr. does or like a Eloy Jimenez does, um, but, you know, Austin Hayes has still never played a single plate appearance at the AAA level uh, and, and for the last time 
you know, his last stint in double A wasn't too special. So I could see them taking a slower path when it comes to Austin Hayes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all that sounds great. Uh, a pleasure as always. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you next week. Yeah. Have a good one. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the major league fantasy baseball show. Uh, next week, I'll, uh, Cole will join me uh, along with the guests.